Hi and welcome to Authorised, the podcast where writers speak. And today you're going to meet a most interesting uh, man, John Safran. Probably know his name already uh, through some of his television work. And of course, he's done two books previous to this one. Uh, the newest one is called Puff Piece. How he took on Philip Morris, yes, the uh, tobacconist uh, multinational corporation. There's no such thing as an elephant in the room with uh, John Safran. Uh, he attacks the elephant in the room. And in this case, it's about taking on Philip Morris, but it's it's more than that. And you'll find that out when uh, you have a listen to our chat with, uh, with John Safran. Puff Piece is the name of the book. It is available now. It's a fascinating read. It's an entertaining read. It's out through Penguin, and I'm sure you'll enjoy it. You'll enjoy the chat we're about to have with uh, with John. Uh, but a reminder about our terrific podcast partners, and that is CSCG. They are the people to talk to about your finances, about your tax, about uh, whatever it is, whether it's superannuation, whether you're looking at doing some lending, some borrowing, whatever it is, they are the people who have experts in the field to take you through every step of the way. Double nine seven four eight triple three is their phone number. You can jump on the website, see who you're dealing with, see the services uh, that they have. It's as simple as cscg.com.au. Great people to deal with. We thank them for their support of the podcast. And now let's talk to a most interesting man, John Safran, and his new book, Puff Peace. Congratulations on the book. Um, obviously, um, <laughs> you're a man on a mission. Oh, God. Yeah, uh, yeah, so you see, that was my glasses falling off my head, collapsing from the exhaustion of the adventure of the book. <laughs> uh, uh, the, the first and most obvious thing is to say congratulations on the title. I just think that's just the, the most perfect title of a book I've seen all year. A puff piece, yeah. yeah. With all my projects, it's weird how important the title is. Where, and when I say that, I don't mean so much the marketing or the end result, but just things don't fit together until you get the title. Like there's like a bit of a stone in your shoe whilst you're doing the project until you get the title right. Um, when I kind of stumbled across that puff piece, I was like, oh, my God, this is like a, yes, yes. Now I can go on my adventure now. Yeah, certainly better than Kill Phil, which is I know one of the titles you were looking at. <laughs> oh, God, yeah, imagine if I did that. <laughs> oh, no, hang on. I'm trying to work out if you're working up from God or down from God and the people that you're trying to, uh, you know, uh, expose to the to the world. Why pick on, you know, uh, clearly one of the biggest multinational corporations you could possibly want to poke a stick at? Uh, well, I, I guess there's two things. One was I was just curious and wanted to follow the story. That story being that I, I was reading in a newspaper this full-page ad saying that Philip Morris, the Melbourne people, were going to shut down as a cigarette company and relaunch as uh, a health enterprise. And I was like, what? And I was, <laughs> I was really curious. And I just thought, is this like one of these like big moments in history, like when uh, apartheid ended in South Africa? Obviously, cigarettes are this huge, they're the biggest killer in the world. So I started chasing that story, what the hell was going on? And then... I saw that it wasn't as simple as it first looked. So there was that. And then I was just, when I realised it was a bit of a strategy for Philip Morris to stay alive because they, they, they had so much heat against them, and, um, particularly though their menthol cigarettes were getting banned all across Europe. And this was their little kind of weave around that and stay alive. And then I was confused why no one was covering the story. It was like, just, it just seemed weird to me. It was like, you know, figured they really had their back against the wall. They might have had to have shut down and they figured out a way to stay alive. 
and sell their tobacco. And this is so consequential. They, they seem to have somehow got away with it without anyone noticing. Like there's not an article about it, not a tweet about it. But there was, there, was, there was that side of it. It was just me wanting to chase the story. And then the other side is, uh, as a storyteller, I've got to kind of duck and weave and twist and turn to try to stay alive as a storyteller. And my uh, main area of interest, everyone else has got into it. So my last book was about extremists. Yeah. And white nationalists, particularly, uh, but other sorts of extremists. And then my book before that was about a white nationalist, a white supremacist in Mississippi. And, you know, people who have seen my TV work know, you know, that's my jam. <laughs> I like hanging out with extremists and stuff. And I like hanging out in extremists, with extremists before it was cool, man. And, you know, when I used to, when I used to like, like on John Safran versus God, one of my TV shows, when I went to visit a Klansman, a Tupac Klansman, like people were like, it blew their minds and they just didn't see that. It's like, what the hell? I can't believe you're there. But now it's like you turn on the TV and every channel sort of like someone, you know, hanging out with extremists and everyone, and, and just the fact that everyone's got a phone in their pocket so it's easy to film documentaries. They have like lots of people filming stuff and everyone's talking about race. It's a, obviously it's an important topic and stuff. And so, but, but just basically this thing that was like my interest and my brand <laughs> has become like just totally mainstream or something like that. Yeah. And, and so... You sort of think, well, how do I bring in other interesting stories or whatever? So I, I really like the idea of jumping onto something like this, which, I mean, it, it doesn't seem that odd for someone like me. Like, it seems like I should have done more stuff about corporations, and have I? I kind of have and haven't really. Like, I haven't really done as much. You Like, you'd think, like, or you'd look at my CV and it, I'd be like Michael Moore or something, but. I have done some stuff, like I broke into Disneyland. <laughs> yeah, well, no, let's be honest. God's the biggest. God, God, God's one of the biggest corporations known to man. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, that's what I learned in, in this book. This, this book's very much about manipulating language yeah. and about how because uh, the way Philip Morris have, have sort of swung this. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the most the less like judgy words to use. I don't know why I'm trying to be so gentle about it. Corporation, but there you go. The way Philip Morris have been successful in this latest little shenanigan is by just substituting in words for other words, and it's amazing how much power you get from that. And not just in some abstract way, like in, in the case of uh, Philip Morris, they're banned from selling menthol cigarettes in Europe, and they go, "Okay, fine, we'll, we'll, we won't produce any more menthol cigarettes." And then they say, "Oh, by the way, we've got this other product here," and Lord, it's not a cigarette. And then they show it. And what it is, it's tobacco rolled in paper yes. with a filter at one end that you stick between your lips and inhale nicotine <laughs> and uh, tobacco into your lungs. Yep. And, but they go, it's not a cigarette. And, like, you show it to anyone and they just go, oh, that looks like it's a cigarette but a bit shorter. Like, they're like, no, it's not a cigarette. It's a heat stick. And then they win just by rewording this thing that's a cigarette as a heat stick. All this European legislation to ban menthol cigarettes can't fight against it. It's like, like all, all, this, all these lawmakers spent years trying to ban menthol cigarettes and drop the legislation, and they did not factor in what happens if Philip Morris changed the word cigarette to heat stick. <laughs> and it's like it's 
really at worst. So it's about the power of, of, of language. And uh, Philip Morris, there's even things I'm still picking up with Philip Morris's little word shenanigans that even after the book has been printed, I'm like, oh, my God. They, they, they got me on that one too. So much of the book was me and the adventure in the book was me just stopping in my tracks at points going, oh, my God, that thing that Philip Morris, I learned from Philip Morris a month ago, I now realise that's a shenanigan. And yeah. it's like, because they're so good at it. They're so good at, like, bending language. Like, they'll, um, one of their things is they claim that this, the discharge from this not a cigarette isn't smoke. It's something called aerosol instead. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. I've heard of aerosol, so this doesn't, it kind of looks like smoke, seems like smoke, but they're saying it's aerosol, okay. And then uh, whatever, like a month later, two months later, I'm looking up aerosol in the dictionary, and it gives examples of aerosols, and one of them is smoke. So <laughs> the fact that it's aerosol doesn't mean it necessarily it isn't smoke. And then, then I just went down this wild goose chase with scientists trying to figure out whether this was actually smoke or not smoke. And then later I find out, well, the thing that kills you in a cigarette, in an old school cigarette, it's it's smoke. But to be more specific, it's the tar in the smoke. Yep. So therefore, with this new cigarette, who cares? To a, lim- to a limit, who cares what word they put on it? Like, who cares if it's aerosol or smoke? Like, let's say it's not smoke then who cares if it's still got tar in it? And, and so they're just so good at trickery. And then, uh, and my God, then you get to the tar, and I've changed the word for that. Tar is now nicotine-free dry particulate matter. That's right. So the thing that kills you in a cigarette is tar. And you look up this one, if you're just a regular person, and also I look up science journals and things like that, and there was even one significant science journal article, and they were against Philip Morris. They weren't for it. And even they got tricked by the... The different names, like the, these people with medical degrees and science degrees, also got tricked by this name, like uh, that somehow nicotine-free dry particulate matter isn't tar. So it's like imagine just us regular schmoes out there. <laughs> now, now we're just going to be tricked. So, and, and but all this worked in the most consequential way. Um, just these kind of word substitutions. So I spoke to a linguist from Adelaide University, one of the world's leading linguist, and he said, "Yeah, language is just." such a powerful thing that corporations and religions and politicians, they all know how to use it. Reality is being bent by these God or people who follow God, you know, uh, ministers and rabbis and imams and and politicians and uh, Philip Philip Morris. That's where religion comes into it all. Well, it's it's the classic. This is the classic corporate survival case, isn't it? I mean, this is you you're literally mm-hmm. dead and buried, and and they're they're putting the carcass in the ground, and and they find a way to jump up and and reinvent themselves. I know they're so good. However much they're getting paid, they need to be paid more. <laughs> and everything's so everything's so audacious. Like I looked into a few other tobacco companies as well, and that didn't end up in the book. Philip Morris was just so much better at this, and I don't know why. The other the tobacco companies were just a bit more wooly, and like they hadn't sort of sorted it out. So, for instance, they'd be going, oh, yeah, we're sort of working on, on new vaping devices, but we're going to have a few of those, we're going to have cigarettes, it was all, all, all a bit loose, whilst Philip Morris was just so... Beautifully, brilliantly audacious. Like you wouldn't believe. Like they, they're just saying, 
we're not a cigarette company anymore. Yeah. Why aren't you a cigarette yeah. company? Because they're still selling cigarettes. So they're still selling regular cigarettes to the hilt wherever they can. And it's like, oh, we're not a cigarette company anymore because they've got this new one product that we say isn't a cigarette, which kind of is a cigarette, though. But, yeah. it's, but, but therefore, by saying it's, they've got this product that isn't, isn't a cigarette that they're selling in markets, and they're only really selling in markets where conventional cigarettes are declining. So, I mean, that's sort of the reason they're doing it. They, they can now say they're not a cigarette company, and therefore everyone working there can go, I'm not working for a cigarette company. I'm working for a company that's trying to end cigarettes with this new product. And yes. so, and I just saw the work, I spoke to workers there, and like that's how powerful language is, is you have the people of Philip Morris can say they're not working for a cigarette company, even though they produce 800 billion cigarettes, that's shy of a trillion cigarettes a year. The people there can say, I'm not working for a cigarette company because of this one product, which they say is the future of Philip Morris, even though it's goddamn, it still looks like a cigarette to me. But um, the other cigarette giants can't do that because they haven't worked that out yet. I think I've just always been fascinated with Philip Morris for some reason. I, I worked in advertising for a couple of years, and yeah. there's just something about logos that are just fascinating. I talk about that in the book, how they're a bit like these religious kind of icons or something, where, yeah, yeah. you know, like like the, Freemason, the Freemason all-seeing eye or crucifix or the Star of David. It's sort of like it seems like they just seem like they have this incredible draw and it's kind of like vibrating power to them. You um you left no stone unturned in the in the people that you spoke to and the and the council that you sought to to kind of work through it. I mean, a, a fair bit of time with Bob Maguire and and your rabbi and is oh, yeah. it, you didn't come up with a lot of answers out of all that stuff, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, maybe there's not answers out there. I'm glad you said that. I didn't come up with answers because I, I just read this review. It's a really good review. It's the first review of the book in the in Australian, Australian on the really weekend. Good. Yeah. Really good review. So obviously I'm really happy and very grateful or whatever. But there was a thing at the end where, he's, where the review is going, well, this ends the debate. That friend presented the, the argument. Why? And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hang on. I don't want that. No, no, no. I don't have that yet. Like you said, I, much, I, I like your angle where you go, John, I read your book. Weren't many answers in there. That makes me feel a lot more comfortable. <laughs> the, um, no, uh, one thing I probably should have, Set up, at, set out at the start. So it's a very confusing area. This and uh, just people listening is that this isn't a vape, which just makes this matter just even more more confusing. And the the reason this isn't a vape is because vapes don't have tobacco leaf in them. Vapes uh, have a liquid, the juice, yeah, and yeah, they have a juice that has like flavorings and uh, propylene glycerol and uh, nicotine often. And so that, but what it doesn't have, what what a what a, a vape doesn't have is tobacco leaf. And because it doesn't have tobacco leaf, it means a vape doesn't generate tar. And so, and that's the deadly thing in a traditional cigarette. So, so, and the reason I explain that is, and that's not saying vapes might might pose dangers. Well, they're, di- they're different dangers to what's posed by either a cigarette or a heat stick. And so, the reason that's important is because, like Philip Morris, with this thing called a heat stick. One of the reasons they're introducing it is to battle against cigarette bans and say, well, okay, you're banning cigarettes, this isn't a cigarette. But the other thing is, it's not a vape, but they're entering the world of vaping with this. This is their, like, competition to vaping. This is the ICOS machine that you talk about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the heat stick 
you put into a thing called an ICOS, I-Q-O-S, yep. and and to ma- make the matter really confusing, like it, that looks kind of sort of like a vape, and you plug it in, so I guess on some level it's an e-cigarette, like a vape's an e-cigarette, but because the, the heat stick put into the ICOS, because that produces tar, and because a vape doesn't produce tar, that makes it like really different kettle of fish, but that's another thing Philip Morris takes advantage of. There's some legitimate medical bodies, like the National Health Service in England is the main one, who say that vaping is safer than smoking cigarettes. And I, I, my book doesn't really get too involved in that or whatever. Like That's like really, the science is early days, and I definitely don't want the responsibility of something as important as making a ruling what people put in their bodies when it could have such dire consequences. Yeah. But so the National Health Service in, in Britain in, uh, says vaping, e-cigarettes are healthier than uh, cigarettes and they're a legitimate tool for uh, uh, for getting off smoking, right? Yep. So because – and Philip Morris jumps on this and they go, oh, our ICOS, our heat-stick ICOS device, that's an e-cigarette too. <laughs> and, because, you know, you plug it into a wall. So suddenly they spoke up this approval by the National Health Service. But then I looked further into it and I found out that the National Health Service, they explicitly rule out the ICOS and the heat-stick. <laughs> like, they, like they say, we're approving e-cigarettes. And then so Philip Morris takes that and goes, oh, look, they're approving e-cigarettes. And then they don't leave out the next bit, Philip Morris, where it says, and by e-cigarette, we don't mean the heat stick icon. Yeah. So Philip Morris kind of leaves that bit out. And the reason they say that is because, I mean, they do say that. The reason the National Health Service says this for the reasons I explained where they say it generates tar. So like a cigarette generates tar, it's still about tobacco. Because vaping, vaping doesn't have tobacco in it. It can have tobacco flavoring in it, I think, or whatever. But it's, again, it's, it's sort of like, it's so different that, it's actually not that handy to uh, pull them together. And in fact, this is a bit tangled and a bit ironic, but I think one of the reasons Philip Morris has got away with this ICOS, which isn't, they're trying to get it legalised in Australia, but it's not legalised at the moment, but it's been legalised in Europe, America, New Zealand, and also other uh, other European countries. One of the reasons Philip Morris has got away with it, and this isn't kind of a bit tangled, is because the kind of people who are likely to be against this device are also likely to be against vaping in general. Yep. So therefore, these activists and these scientists just go, oh, vaping's bad, and uh, oh, and then they'll kind of muddle in the, uh, the ICOS with that and go, yeah, they should, vaping shouldn't be legalized, and also Philip Morris's thing shouldn't be legalized, which is kind of, well, whatever. And it all gets lost in one. And like, why, while that's a reasonable position to have, if that's what they believe or whatever, it does ironically... Philip Morris, let Philip Morris off the hook a bit because it's not examined as this standalone device that has unique dangers. And also, by doing that, it's sort of, we're not examining what Philip Morris are actually doing at this moment. Yeah, so my, my book's going to be a bit unsatisfying, I think, for activists on both sides when it comes to the vaping debate because it's way more about Philip Morris taking advantage of the world of vaping and vapors and everyone else as well, but it's more about that. And, and sort of like how, how Philip Morris are like manipulating our fears around uh, and people's fears around vaping and everything. And so it's more about that 
Yeah, but vaping is just a really confusing area because it's while, while it doesn't have the danger that cigarettes have, which is producing tar, you're inhaling all these things into your lungs, which is, you know, as one scientist told me, like, your, your lungs just aren't meant to, that's just not meant to happen. <laughs> yeah. like, like, I guess we could all do, relate to it a bit where it's like if you stood on a smoke machine or something or you, or you drove through a polluted city or something, like for five minutes, you'd go, oh, that's a bit weird or whatever, but, you know, <laughs> I'm driving through it. But if you just stayed there seven days or in that polluted city for seven days or whatever, like you'd suddenly, like, really start being affected by it all. I mean, the real tangle is with vaping, and, and this is not going to satisfy anyone, is that, and I just think about it in a more casual sense, about like, oh, if, if there's someone in my life who was addicted to cigarettes, is that I reckon if you were addicted to cigarettes and you vaped like for six months, nine months, a year even or whatever, like, and to wean yourself off cigarettes, and then at the end of that six months or whatever, you put down, you're no longer smoking cigarettes, but you also put down the vape. I think in that case, the vape is a, a, a public health tool, which is what I mean, because it helps someone get off cigarettes. And but now they're also not smoking the vape, yeah, or and or inhaling the vape. But I think if someone's just puffing on a vape for the next decade, I reckon that's a real roll of the dice. That that's not going to have health consequences and possibly significant ones, which yeah. aren't all known now because it's all so new. Someone is saying that vaping's less dangerous than cigarettes. It's kind of true. In a real major way, it's true because there's no tar. But then, what what are these other things you're inhaling? So yeah, it's, it's really the, hard to it, decide what to do with it's that. The lesser, it's the lesser of two evils. Yeah, but is it? Well, yeah, <laughs> we don't know. Point. That's it's a, like, a, a good it, point. I died the healthy way. <laughs> <laughs> I died of respiratory problems the healthy way. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I was a much healthier cadaver than I was uh, than I would have been if I'd been smoking. We should work with Philip Morris. This is this is our brainstorming here. It's really working. Uh, what are you hoping people take out of the book, John? Um, I think it's about the manipulation of language and just to be on alert for that. So one of, one of the things I was really excited when I because when I start writing this book, or pretty much any book, I guess, this is my third one, but particularly this one, like I didn't quite know what I was doing. <laughs> what actually am I looking into? And then did I start to solidify, oh, this is about language and about the, how you can just bend reality in the minds of people and create new realities and, and people not even knowing that a new reality is being created just by the words you use yep. and how you define things and relabel things. And, and anyway, so once I realised the book was about that, as opposed, to, and I was like, "Oh my god, I'm doing what?" I'm like, there's this author I really like, and he's also a friend of mine. He's this British guy called John Ronson, and he's sort of in that area of like Louis Theroux or someone like that. But he's and, and he's done like TV, but he's generally done books. He did uh, the So You've Been Publicly Shamed, which was all about shaming on Twitter and stuff like that, and. And anyway, the reason I've always been a bit envious of him is I noticed with his projects, he's really good at picking a theme that's different to the story, and the story is just the best example of, of, of the theme. So, for instance, he did one about the gig economy and about how things have just been upended because, like, things are now for free on the internet and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And the whole old way of doing business is, is gone, but he chose pornography to tell that story. So it was about how, because porn went free online, how that just upended, uh, you know, 
the Playboy and Penthouse and suddenly actors in those films didn't get paid as much right. because and then and, and how the whole, whole industry was kind of upended. So he kind of like told this story about the gig economy, but using this real high stakes, vibrant, killer example. And I just thought, oh, he's so smart because so many writers would, what they do, they go, oh my, they start giggling, going, oh my God, this is pornography. This is really fun. I'm just going to write about pornography in the porn world and blah, blah, blah. And how, and, but he didn't do that. He, he sort of, it's about the gig economy. It's about the modern uh, economic world and using that to tell that story. Yep. So I, I've always thought my books have, my book, my other two books don't really do that. It's like my first book was like a murder in Mississippi and it's about, a murder in Mississippi, <laughs> and and there's a lot of idiosyncratic and funny things in like the subtext of what I write, but ultimately it's about a murder. It's a book about a murder. That's about a murder, and um, and so was my second book about extremists. It was sort of the same thing, colourful extremists, but really it's about extremists. And, and, and so again, there's like idiosyncratic editorial and subtext or whatever, but not really what John Ronson does. So this was the first book I've done where I go, oh, my God, I've finally done that John Ronson thing, which is talking about how we're living through this uh, vibrant time at the moment or this, what, what, what's the word I use, this uh, fertile time. I'm, we're living through a fertile time where people are, like, rewording things and giving uh, new meaning to old words and in really consequential ways. And this is, like, I, I bring up a couple in, in the book you know, like, for instance, the one re- redefining what the meaning of a woman is is one I'm sure a lot of people have noticed in the press where it's mm-hmm. like, okay, well, five years ago to be a woman, you had to be born biologically a woman, but now that's changed and now laws are changing, sports codes and everything like that. And like, so it's a real powerful rewording and re-meaning of things. And I, I do another one that's really probably too complicated to bring up here, but I, I, it's one I noticed several years ago. I'm Jewish or whatever, and I noticed that those like left-wing people who like a bit might have some animosity or issues with Jewish people, like suddenly they started making it real clear that like Jews are white and trying to change the word Jew with white, and so and I was like, why are they doing this or whatever? And then I just realised it was like it's easier to lay the boots into a white person than to lay the boots yeah. into a Jew in this modern woke world. Yep. Like yeah, so. So if you've got some issues with Jewish people, it's going to be a lot easier if you can just sort of scrub out that word and, and so and just replace it with white people. And, and obviously, like like as soon as soon as Jews become white, then you can start complaining about them, and you can start saying, "Well, well, why should John Safran talk about racism? He's white." <laughs> like, like, and that's like such a an insult. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's, it's such a like it's a, it's amazing. It's like because it's like well, what Jews have to simultaneously experience anti-Semitism because they do because because it's like all the all the racists don't like Jews. Well, most of them don't. Some of the nicer racists only don't like other racists. But um, <laughs> so we were we were on the one hand got to experience racism, but not talk about it. Because we're white, and it's like it's so it's such a manipulative little word game, like yeah. trying to make out that Jews aren't Jews, they're white. Anyway, so I, I just n- noticed these little high stake word games in the world, and then I was like, oh my god, this is what my book's about. And I found the killer example of it, like the most high stakes example, like a cigarette company is remaining alive because it's 
starting to reword things and just like uh, sort of like evaporate the meaning out of things and replace it with other meanings. And so, yeah, that's why I was really, I'm really happy with this book because I've finally done what uh, my friend John uh, Ronson has done. Yeah. Hey, John, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Congratulations on the on the book. It's, it's fascinating reading. It's entertaining reading uh, and it's, uh, there's, there's a lot of layers to it. So well, well done and, uh, and thanks for your time. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Well, thanks to John for his time. A most interesting man and a most interesting book. You should certainly uh, have a look at that one. Puff Piece, it is available now. still think that is one of the great titles, taking on a cigarette company and calling the book Puff Piece. I love it. Uh, my thanks to uh, CSCG, our podcast partners. Don't forget, give them a call. They'll talk to you about uh, your finances. They'll help you out. They'll steer you in the right direction and uh, they, they have the answers to the questions and they'll find them if they don't. Double nine seven four eight triple three is their telephone number and, of course, jump on that website, cscg.com.au. And wherever you found this edition of the Authorised Podcast, there's plenty more with some fascinating authors talking about uh, great works and we have more coming in the future. I hope you can join me when the next Authorised comes your way. 